Empire podcast this week, I nearly get my face kicked off by Accident Man star, writer and producer, one guy, Scott Adkins, while director Brad Payton goes on a rampage to talk about his new film, The Gorilla That Couldn't Slow Down, plus all the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that has been, after a lengthy appeals process, awarded to Harry Kane. Now, I'm as shocked as you are, but apparently the podcast went in off his shoulder, so there it is, nothing I could do. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to this week's Empire Podcast, which this week and every week for the next couple of months and last week as well is brought to you by those wonderful people at Sky Cinema, the dedicated home for movie lovers. Oh, and Harry Kane. Uh, later in the show, I'll be pointing out a couple of movies you can watch on Sky Cinema, just two movies from the huge choice that's available to watch on demand on Sky Cinema, including a brand new premiere every single day. A thousand films and more on Sky Cinema. Very, very exciting. So that's later in the show. This week, though, I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning. What a rare treat here on the Empire Podcast. First up, we have our West Wing specialist, James Dyer, a man who is slightly annoyed because I saw Josh Molina yesterday, who, as we all know, of course, played Jeffrey on the West Wing. And uh, he was in a posh London hotel. And I wanted to go over to him and, and kidnap him and bring him on the podcast and have him be part of the team. But really, what I really wanted to do was go over and talk to him about his role on Scandal, which, of course, as you know, James, I've seen more episodes of Scandal than I have of the West Wing. How does that make you feel, James Dyer? It makes me hate you slightly more than I already do. I've seen, I think, two seasons of Scandal, to be fair. I've watched a fair old bit. Well, two seasons of Scandal packs in, I'd say, about ten seasons worth of story in yeah. any other show. Oh, it's there's a phenomenal shadowy cabals and criminality. It's quite extraordinary. Uh, um, so Josh Molina plays on the West Wing. He plays... Uh, yeah, he plays... Who does he play? <laughs> he plays Will Bailey. Will Bailey. Yes. George uh, Bailey's and son. I believe in Scandal, he's, isn't he the Attorney General? Uh, it changes from week to week. Yeah. It's well, very, interesting. You know, the guy who plays, track. you know the guy who plays Cyrus Bean on Scandal? I am aware of him. Yeah, he also appeared in an episode of The West Wing. It all leads back yeah, to Sorkin. It all, all leads back. Um, you didn't make the signal, did you? You didn't You didn't do the signal? Largely because I don't know what it is. You really are terrible, aren't you? No, he's in town because they're doing, uh, I think they did a live uh, West Wing Weekly pod in Dublin yesterday and I think they're doing a London one either today or it might be tomorrow. can't remember. <laughs> but I tried to get tickets, as did Helen, and neither of us could. Why? Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Helen, speaking of Helen... I was trying to hold it. They could all see me. You could. Doing her best general grievous... <laughs> It's Helen O'Hara. She's back. Hello. She is Helen back, is back. Having brought tropical diseases back with no, her. No, I've lost my voice. I'm going for Kathleen Turner in the 80s. I think I might end up with Nick Nolte in the noughties. But, you know. <laughs> Stop the ship! Stop the ship! I stand by Grievous. Uh, thanks. You're the worst. <laughs> Welcome back, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going? It's really good. I you... had an, an amazing, amazing trip away. And you went away with your, your friend Josh. Jo- Josh Tree Lina. was his name. Josh Tree. Josh. Oh, God. No. Oh, that's very funny. Joke <gasps> not. Um, no, I, I did go to, of course, Rattlingham National Park while I was away, as well as Palm Springs. And stand and among the Joshua LA. Trees. To stand among the Joshua Trees, yes. Yeah. If anyone's been following Helen on Instagram... Uh, where you are? What are you on Instagram? I'm Helen084. Helen084, naturally. Of, Na- course. of course, it springs to mind, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Helen084, uh, you will see some sickening pictures of your two week holiday. Two in... weeks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not often I go away for that long. But it was great. I, um, 
I, I went to the Egyptian and the Cinerama Dome at the Hollywood Arclight and saw mm -hmm. films in amazing places. The Egyptian actually made me want to move to LA. It's amazing. It's a lovely cinema. If you saw films in amazing places, did you watch Dolph Lundgren movie Joshua Tree while in Joshua Tree? No, I did nearly go do a drive-in, but they were playing Ready Player One and I'd already seen that again at the Arclight. And I was like, how many times does a girl need to see Ready Player One? No disrespect, but come on. Fair enough. So, um, so I will go to there next time I'm in the, in the area. Um, but yeah, I did. I did great things. I went to Hollywood Forever, uh, the cemetery, and, and took a tour there and Nick, saw the Nick resting places. Last week, people. he was literally yeah, there last week. I know, did but did you was... see him among while you were walking among the tombstones? <laughs> hey, he was actually hanging out with his more famous friends. So yeah, that's we true. didn't actually manage to meet up. So. Unbelievable, star fucker, yeah, Dissemblin. Sorry, shocking. Anyway, it's good to have you back. Thank you. Good to be the, back. The the shit that has come out of our mouths over the last because <laughs> you haven't been around for four, mm. I think, of the last five podcasts. You missed a couple of spoiler specials I know, as well. I know. Uh, by the way, we went and we had we just recorded the Avengers Infinity War spoiler special uh, while you while just. you were away. Uh, we just thought it would be yeah, just get out of the way. Helen doesn't really need to be on this. It's totally fine. I went to two Infinity rooms in LA, <laughs> so I feel like I've gotten like a taste. You've got the Power Stone and the Space Stone. Yeah. Helen is more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Uh, but we will be doing that soon. We we got the um, we got the screen date. Ben, did you get that? Uh, ben Travis is here as well. Hello, Ben. Hello. Benny Blanco from the Bronx. <laughs> Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Did you get it? everyone got the invite right? No, I didn't. You are literally the only you... person who got it. Oh no, I did this morning. Oh, fuck you both. Oh, unbelievable. Mm. But here's here's the uh, here's the rub. Here's the rub. I'm watching as we speak because we're recording this on Friday, Friday the thirteenth. We're recording this on a Friday, which is mm. unusual. Uh, I am. Paying half paying attention to what you guys are saying because I'm currently monitoring the Champions League semi final draw. Oh, oh my god, god. so tedious. Because Nobody cares. My Nobody beloved cares. my beloved Reds are in it. Actually, I Nobody think you find millions of people Nobody care. Nobody cares. Uh, so so they're in they're in the uh, semi finals, so I'm waiting for that to be drawn because there's a very, very good chance that that will be on the same night as the Avengers Infinity War screening. I and genuinely that... <laughs> hope it is. I hope with all every fibre of my being that it is and that when they play Something happens and Everton win. Uh, that's an impossibility. Not, well, even, not even Thanos. With, with the reality six, gem. Not even all six know. stones could he make Everton win a football match in a tournament that they're not in and, and will never be in. I'm, I'm fairly see, confident see, of you're saying. You're so confident of your rules, aren't you? My overconfidence is my weakness. That's right. <laughs> your, your faith, faith in, in your reds is yours. <laughs> Your faith in both Salah is yours. Uh, anyway, so there's a, there's a really good chance uh, it might be on the same day as the Avengers Infinity War screening, which means <laughs> that I will have a choice that will put Sophie's choice into stark perspective. <laughs> yes, stark perspective indeed. Oh. See, I'd like to think that I actually meant that, but I didn't. <laughs> anyway, so when you guys came in today, I said, look, I don't want this podcast to take too long <laughs> because I've got to edit it and I've got a big interview later on in the day and uh, we spent 10 minutes on the hellos. Mm. But I'm, I'm interested to know how Ben is because we've barely spoken to Ben. Ben, how are you? I'm good. I'm still largely confused by all of the football chat that's happening and also massively preoccupied by the name Cyrus Bean, which is now <laughs> stuck in my head. <laughs> what was that again? What, what, who is Cyrus Bean? Cyrus Bean. Cyrus Bean is a character on uh, on Scandal. He is the pre or was when I was last watching it. He was the president's chief of, <laughs> chief of staff. Well, now that, that president is no longer the president. That president is now shut up. The president is now his wife, Melly, the former first lady, no is now the president. Shut and up. Fitz is off doing no, his own thing. That can't be true. It's true. Is that really actually, true? No, that is actually true. I know this and I've never seen an episode. I didn't know that. This is fascinating. Well, anyway, he's uh, Cyrus Bean. He's played by Jeff Perry, who also appears on the West Wing. So that's 
you need to know. I I remember there's there's a line in Scandal where Melly goes, you know, I'm an animal, I'm an animal. And Cyrus goes to her, you may be an animal, but I'm a monster. And I'm like, this is the greatest <laughs> terrible show I've ever seen. It is, it is extraordinarily bad, but I'm, I love it. I absolutely love it. Speaking of great terrible shows, just very quickly. Sorry, Helen, I can't hear you. What were you, what were you saying? I, I saw the Scooby-Doo crossover episode of Supernatural oh my God. while I was in the States. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Oh, yes. They're animated. They're in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it's amazing. Do they have their tops off? Um, no, they, but they are wearing plaid, which, is as there, we all know, is better. Is there animated Wincest? There is no incest whatsoever, except in your sick, sick mind. This isn't, this isn't supernatural hentai, is it? This no, is, this is... I mean, this I don't know what that is. Of course you don't. Okay, um, but there is, uh, there is uh, Dean Winchester hitting on Daphne, which was amusing. <laughs> Why not Thelma? Thelma's the sexiest one. No, Thelma no. has a thing for Sam. Uh, oh, naturally. Yeah. naturally. Sam, of course, played by Jared. Or, or Jensen. <laughs> amazing knowledge. Amazing. Are they like, are they like uh, Ant and Deck? Well, one always stands on the left. Yeah, so you know who which is which. Um, no, I don't think. Well, that's it's especially case. confusing because Sam, who is actually Dean from yes. Gilmore Girls, is actually Sam in Supernatural, not Dean, who is Dean in Supernatural and not in Gilmore Girls at all. Has Dean ever been a Sam? Possibly. Not the best of my knowledge. What did he play in in Smallville? Do you know what? I don't even remember. He was a coach. I don't know. Anyway. See? I have barely understood a word of what's been going on for the last 10 minutes, so if right. you're feeling the same, it's not just you. <laughs> to recap. Okay. Okay, this is Helen. Helen's been on the podcast since the beginning. Uh, James James comes in every now and again and bangs on about stuff he hasn't seen. Uh, <laughs> Harry Kane claimed mm-hmm. a goal this week that uh, has, has led to much ridicule coming is, his way. Is that The Undertaker's brother, Kane? <laughs> <laughs> he would be much more interesting right, in my okay. case. And I'm waiting for the uh, for, for my life to be but potentially ruined. <laughs> I'm still watching the screen right okay. now. Anyway, 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 let's move on with the show. Let's get on with it. Let's uh, have a question. And so I asked a whole bunch of Twitter people to send me in questions. And the question I have drawn from the Twitter tombola is from Anxious Batman, who asks, with Rampage out now and the Meg <laughs> coming soon... What giant... And if you've seen the trailer for The Meg, my God. Oh, it's a work of art. Megalodon. Although, I mean, as, as any kind of long-term, old-school Empire Forumites out there will know, I'm, I'm still not sure it lives up to Shark Attack 3. With the infamous John Barrowman line. With the infamous line. John Barrowman line, yeah. What is the infamous John Barrowman line? I'm, I'm certainly not going it. to repeat it no. when there are children potentially listening. Oh, I... I I think they've long gone <laughs> at this point and been snatched away by worried parents. James, you're the sole reason why I had to put the explicit rating on the R Ready Player One spoiler special. Well, hang on. Why you did unleashed, I say Ready One? You unleashed about five F-bombs in this space. It was, it was like watching Richard Pryor at his finest. <laughs> it, was, it was five in about a space of a minute. It was extraordinary. No recollection. I know the A Quiet Place one we call Ben a fuck monkey within the first 15 seconds. Yes. So right. that's, that's... Sorry about yeah. that, Ben. Um, it's fine. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Neither do I. But speaking of great lines, though, uh, and... and well, what is the line? What, which line? The bar- Okay, yes, do this. Yes, um, what is the line? I'm not saying it. She won't ben say it. Ben, you say it. it. I'm not going to say the last word. I'm not going to use my, it's, my What does it rhyme with? It's, he, he's trying to chat someone up uh-huh. and he says... 
This is like a really normal conversation. Then he just launches straight into, how about I take you home and eat her? I can't even say it. It makes me feel so uncomfortable. He's in the good place. I'm in the good place. I don't want to go to the bad place. Let's have a motherfucking Hang on. Hang on a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Are we actually going to play it? Let's see if we can play this line. This is the famous line from Shark Attack 3. If you're not going to say it, Ben, if you're not going to say it, I'm going to hold my laptop up to the microphone and see if John Barrowman himself can say it. I once... Uh, got into a lift with John Barrowman. He did not say this to me. <laughs> we'll meet back here at 8 a.m. Don't be late. Not John Barrowman. I'm exhausted. Yeah, me too, but... You know, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, see, see... He's... <laughs> Clearly talking about, you know, the fact that in some cultures they eat cats. That's, that's, that's not what that is. <laughs> Harry Kane's just given this podcast back. He wants, nothing, he wants nothing more to do with it. Wow. Now, there's a school of thought that that line was improvised and he was just, he was just messing around and they, he expected the, the, the director to call cut and it would just be a bit of a goof. But yes. they left it in. Yes, I believe that to be the case. That is the case. That yeah. is the actual case. It's not even school of thought. That is. I, that I is... believe that to be be so. I mean, that was certainly what I heard at the time. Is there a follow up line? Well, then no, they, they, they. I think it cuts. It to cuts them. to the, the said the said act. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> them doing the wheelbarrow man and <laughs> no, other just other <laughs> other positions that I've God. heard of. Well. Yeah, holding your gaze for the longest time. Your Jimbo just very uncomfortable. <laughs> I was trying to think of a torchlight-related gag. Torchlight, flashlight. There's something in there, but I can't do it. Torchwood, touch. I don't know. Got it. That's it. It's gone. So what, what we've proved in the first 15 minutes or so of this podcast, I don't know. I'm saying that now. I don't know how much of this would be left by the time I edit it. But yeah. what we've proved is that the theory that Helen classes the joint up <laughs> is a fiction. And, and holds us back from our worst urges is, yeah, it's a lie. Hey, I refuse to say that line. I feel like, you know. I feel you, you I enabled him. Anyway, we should probably get back to the question. Oh, what yeah, was the question? That's right. <laughs> Right, so the question is from Anxious Batman. With Rampage out now and the Meg coming soon, what giant animal film do you want to see next? Giant panda. Because, like, it's time they got some revenge, right? Well, mm-hmm. as we all know, pandas are the fastest living animal. <laughs> are is that they? because of Panda Express? No, no, that is legitimately something that a certain film star who loves pandas told Nick. And I'm not, I'm not going to say who it is just in case it enrages Nick and he gets very upset with me. But someone once said to him that and stated it as fat and Nick was forced to go, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing, though, like, you, whatever the famous person says. Yeah, it's true. Agree with the famous person. <laughs> Even if they're mental. Yeah, never correct the famous person. I mean, we've but, all seen pandas sort of hair-tailing it up the highway. I mean, it's... Uh... Couldn't you at least come back with an, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Where did I you thought, learn such a fact? I thought it was the cheetah. I don't know about <laughs> yes. you. I thought that could reach a, a land speed of up to 70 miles an hour over a fairly short distance. But no, evidently, it's a big, fat, fluffy panda. <laughs> Apparently, they could do Mark II over uneven terrain. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. Is that uh, laden or unladen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the laden panda. So I mean, the African or European panda. Yeah, the West Rosy Raven has nothing on the unladen <laughs> panda. And yet again, we've sidetracked. No, we're not. We're I mean, is, we, okay, fine. So this is I, on topic. Helen yes. is saying giant panda. So, so, okay, so uh, 
because obviously there is a giant panda already. Yeah. Are you saying that the giant panda stays the same it would size? It would be a giant er panda. Oh my a giant a panda. Now, yes. what would that be? Because pandas are very docile creatures. Yes. They don't like to, they eat bamboo. They can't yeah, even they be do. bothered to have sex. I mean, this would be really bad news for any bamboo plantations around. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I mean, this would be probably devastating for the world's bamboo ecostructure. Oh yeah, because they'd have oh, to eat way more, but, way, way more bamboo. But wait. Mm. Bamboo is now used as a scaffolding st- thing because mm-hmm. it's very, you know, it's very environmentally friendly. Mm. It grows fast. It, the shape of it fits scaffolding perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, the giant panda, giant ur panda, comes mm-hmm. to the city mm-hmm. looking for mm-hmm. bamboo scaffolding to eat. I'm with you. I'm and with that's you. why it causes this, like, you know, devastation. But pandas don't just eat bamboo. What? What do they eat then? People. Really? Yeah. It's a little known fact, Helen. A celebrity once told me that a panda's favourite food is people. Yeah. Also, they, uh, their vision's based on movement. <laughs> and they can camouflage themselves. Well, you see, this is all coming together. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, well, well Rampage, as, as you know, pays so little respect to the actual rules of animals mm. that they, they might as well have camouflage. Do you know what? I was in Chicago last year on a press trip. And is there anywhere actually, you haven't been? I mean, quite too many places, some would say. But um, I actually saw them well. filming Rampage there at the time. Really? So I, I couldn't How actually... long were you away? I was only there for a couple of days. But like, Did you I'm... try to stop it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, trying... it's fine. I was trying to go onto the main street and I couldn't because there was a helicopter flying up and down at low speed. Um, and they were obviously adding... Chasing in... a panda. Chasing a giant mutant monster thingy. Yeah. But it wasn't there. They just had a helicopter. My favourite thing on Twitter this week was someone <laughs> who said, why did they allow them to call it Rampage when they could have called it We Fought a Zoo? Oh. It's very good. Oh, very, <laughs> very good. good. I, I like the giant panda idea, especially because I could see that being a sort of monster movie that's not that's not about rampaging and stuff. Like when you watch... Um, uh, my Neighbour Totoro, and you see when the girls fall asleep on the big Totoro. Yes. And it's like that, oh, I can so like good. feel how soft and like nice and warm and calming that would be. It would be a kind of panda version of that. Yeah, I think it might be. It would just be like the cuddliest film ever made. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. listening to any of that, Ben. <laughs> we've just <laughs> the been, football we've been drawn about. We've been drawn against Roma in the Champions League semi-final. Oh so my now, God, here we go. Now I'm just waiting for the date to be confirmed. If you hear this noise during the podcast, no! Then you'll know we've been drawn on the night of the Avengers screening. <laughs> Which will you choose? Which Well, that is a choice, isn't it? I think I know what I'll choose. And it ain't the Avengers. <gasps> really? Yeah. The Avengers is only going to happen once ever. Uh, as is this. I mean... I think he was joking. I really I think, don't think he was. I think, I think, <laughs> I think my, boys, my boys need me. They need me. They need a hashtag unbeaten Hewitt. Your boys being Cap, Iron Man, Bucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah not Hawkeye, oh, not Ant-Man. Man. Hawkeye will not be appearing in this, this game either. <laughs> <laughs> he, could, he might be at the match. He's got nothing else to do. That's very true. Right. He, Almost he has to get killed at the match. Hawkeye anyway. has to rest up before Wimbledon. He does, doesn't he? He's very useful at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else have anything to add to Anxious <laughs> Batman's question? Which I believe, if you, if you recall, back when we started this podcast in 1987... <laughs> Uh, the question was, with Rampage out now and the Meg coming soon, what giant animal film do you want to see next? Helen has uh, said, just to recap, <laughs> Helen has said, giant panda. I would want a giant pangolin movie because one of my favourite things about the John Favreau Jungle Book was that it had a comedy sassy pangolin. What's a pangolin? One, it's like a little sort of armadillo-esque creature. It's kind of armoured and it's cute and it's got a little pointy face. 
and it's one of the most endangered species on, on the earth right you're now. You're trolling me. This is like the panda fast thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, it's you a real thing. Invented <laughs> yeah, an animal. It is a real it's, thing. It's a real thing, yeah. and it's adorable, and it gets hunted for whatever reason by horrible people. So, not only would you get... It would be a good monster movie, kind of monster, because it would be armoured and it could deflect bullets and it would, like... It's got, like, little pointy toes that would crunch through buildings and things. And also, it would raise some lovely awareness of uh, of pangolin defences. I, I would also, now, now that we come to think of it, giant platypus. It's mm. poisonous, man, and it has a duck bill. And it, it looks be weird. It, looks it, it really already weird. looks like a kind of weird little it, mini it monster. It is super um, weird. Helen, is it in fact uh, poisonous or is it, or is it venomous? I don't remember. <laughs> this is something I've been thinking about this week. The, the, I've been thinking a lot this week, and I don't know why, about the line in Superman 2 where uh, Superman is betrayed by Lex Luthor. Of course, he knows he's going to be betrayed by Lex sure. Luthor. It's all part of his plan all along. And he goes, Luthor, you poisonous snake! And... Sorry, yeah. I don't want to have a Superman explain, but <laughs> it's venomous, yeah. Superman, not poisonous. I, I think maybe uh, Jor-El missed that little crystal out in his little mm. learning ship. The really wild crystal. The really wild crystal, yeah, with uh, Chris Packham and <laughs> Terry Nutkins. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what did you say? I didn't. Oh, do you want to say something? I mean, not really, but if I have to, I'll say <laughs> don't a, have to, a so. tartigrade. Because I need one to power my my, my mycelial spore drive. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'd like to apologise to anyone who has yet to watch Star Trek Discovery on James's back. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sorry. So you've gone for... uh, I have. I've gone gone full nerd. Yeah, that's very very clever. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Glad I could help. Did you know the the tardigrade is the fastest creature known to man? (laughs) (laughs) I told you that. It's true. Yeah, but that might actually be true, unlike the panda. I mean, it seems unlikely. They're very small. I, I, would, uh, I would go for a cat. I would go for a giant cat and then... Is this coming back to the whole Barrowman line? Unleash John Barrowman. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say I take you home and have your pussy eat me? Yeah. I see what you did there. It's good. Terrifying. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of ties back to Rampage as well because Rampage has one of the best lines of the year so far in it, doesn't it? Does. It does. Mm-hmm. We shall talk. In fact, yeah. let's talk about it now because I'm about to set it up. I'm about to set up the uh, interview with Brad Payton and we start off the interview talking about that. But before we do that, shall I say that if you wish to have your question read out on the Emperor podcast, you can do so via a number of methods. You can use Twitter as Anxious Batman has learned to his cost, where we're at Emperor Magazine. You can use the hashtag Empire Podcast. Uh, we are also on Facebook as Emperor Magazine and you can email us podcast at empireonline.c. O-M. Right. Let's talk about that line because I'm about to introduce Brad Payton and a lot of, I had a lot of fun with Brad Payton but the line, there's a line in Rampage where Jeffrey Dean Morgan says, do you remember the line, Jimbo? I do. Ben, do you remember the line? I do. Can you say this line? This line's okay? Uh, I can say it but I do feel like I'm going to mess it up again so I'm going to pass this is, across isn't to it, James. Isn't it when science shits the bed I'm the guy they call in to change the sheets. That's the line. Spectacular. Oh, well done, <laughs> Papa Winchester. <laughs> or, or, or Cuddly Negan, as he frankly is in this film. I, I'm surprised then that he then goes on to say, now what you say, we go home and... <laughs> <laughs> change the sheets. Yeah. yeah. I'll eat your own bionic gorilla. Oh, God. No. Yeah. No, he doesn't say that, of course. But uh, yeah, he delivers it with this delicious shit-eating grin of a man who knows that this is the closest he will come in his life to Shakespeare. 
And <laughs> it's a it's a glorious line. It may it put me in mind instantly when I heard it of uh, Titus Welliver's "My Face Is My Warrant" yes. mm-hmm. from a, a Transformer. Yeah, a, tra- <laughs> a Transformer <laughs> movie, Transformer the one with the dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, Age, Age of, of Extinction. Extinction. There we go. Mm. So we started off talking to Brad Payton about that because our first guest this week is the director of Rampage. It is Brad Payton, who's worked now with. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, or is it Rock Rock the Dwayne Johnson, or John the Rock Dwayneson? Who knows what it is? Uh, three times now: Journey to the Mysterious Island, San Andreas, and now the trilogy is complete with Rampage, in which his rockness tries to stop a gorilla, a wolf, and a crocodile from walking into a bar and destroying Chicago. Brad Payton came to London this week. I went along to talk to him, and he's a fun guy, really, really fun talker. I had a lot of fun talking to him about uh, the movie, that line, his poker technique and his no-assholes policy, a policy which, it has to be said, would derail the Empire podcast (laughs) within seconds. So here you go, Brad Payton. Enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Empire podcast by the director of Rampage, Brad Payton. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Can we get the big one out of the way, first of all? Sure. The big question. Yeah. The line, the line of the movie. Yeah. When science shits the bed, (laughs) I'm the guy they call to change the sheets. Yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, undeniably awesome. (laughs) like undeniably awesome and when i talked to him for the first time i was like you know that your character might steal a lot of scenes right and he's like oh yeah i know and um (laughs) i've come prepared i've come prepared to steal some scenes from the rock (laughs) and uh you know everyone came really prepared it was a it was a really really great cast but yeah that that scene and that character i really i really loved him because he was just so unpredictable and Jeffrey's such a wild man, you yeah. know. I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's covered in tattoos. Uh, you know, he's just like a really rad dude, super unpredictable, and he ta- he has a kind of crazy energy. And you know, good luck putting marks down for him because he's he cha- every take he's di- you know is different <laughs> and so lively. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really happy with how his character turned out, and um, yeah, he's a fun dude. And that that, that line, did he did he that was, was that one take one or was that something that was in the script? Was it improv? What was no, the, that was in the script. Uh-huh. Um, but Jeffrey's not a guy who needs a lot of takes at all because he's so there. Yeah, you know, like he's he comes so ready and he just like lets it go. Uh-huh. And you know, on The Walking Dead, I don't think they have much time. So you know, most TV shows, you know, you get like three or four takes. So he's used to. Be really ready, give it what it needs right away, and then mm-hmm. make it a, a subtle adjustment. And And that was it. It was very straightforward with Jeff. Jeffrey's character, we can't get into it too much because this is a pre-release interview and okay. uh, people won't have seen the film. But uh, Jeffrey's character surprised me a great deal uh, in that I was expecting him to be more antagonistic, shall we say. I mm-hmm. think we can have to tiptoe around sure. his relationship with, with Dwayne's character in this movie. Right. But, uh, I was expecting him uh, to be the big mustache twirling bad guy, which he which he isn't. I think it's fair to say that. Well, what's funny and what was exciting for both Jeff and I was that the first reactions from the trailer was, "Oh, he's the bad guy," yeah. and he Jeff in particular was like, "I love that, Brad. <laughs> I love that they all think I'm the bad guy because to me, he's so uh, he's such an unpredictable character." He's like, you don't know where you stand with him for a long time. Mm. Now, there's hints in the scenes, like the very last line of that scene where he says, you know, shit the bed, Mm -hmm. change the sheets. Mm -hmm. And he says to him, by the way, about your friend, for what it's worth, I'm sorry. That's an important line. And I said to him, that line is everything. And he's like, oh, I know. I know. Because (laughs) it's like, who says that? 
Yeah. You know, no matter how antagonistic you are, who stops and goes out of their way to say that besides someone who actually has a heart? Yeah. So it was it was cool to see in the advertising people were like, oh, he's the bad guy. And Jeff and I were both like, oh, my God, this is this. Is, I didn't <laughs> think that they were going to jump to this. And, you know, to be fair, um, I didn't watch The Walking Dead right. with him. I'd never seen him as Negan. Because um, uh-huh. my whole thing was... I don't want to cast based on resumes because I've made that mistake before where you're both casting crew and and um, and actors based on the resume. Like my resume was Cats and Dogs 2, Journey 2. How do I get San Andreas based on my resume? Mm. It, you know, it's, it's, it's foolhardy, especially with <laughs> actors, to think, oh, well, you did that, so you should just do here. Stay in your box, Peyton. Yes, that stay, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Stay, yeah, stay in your lane. Um, <laughs> but, you know... That's why I don't look at what they what they do. I I, I talk to them. Yeah, because you know actors are they're really interesting animals. You know, and and they want to go be something different most of the time. They really want to go there, and they're very also honest in the sense that there's you know I think acting like any kind of creative endeavor, there's a lot of fear in it. You know, and if they don't think they can do it, they're not going to say yes. Right, it's okay. very yeah, rare that they're going to be like, of course I can do that. And they're like, oh, my God, how do I do this? You know, like, unless, of course, they can't pay the rent, then maybe they're going to do that. <laughs> um, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan can pay his rent. So, you know, it was, it was, it was just interesting to, to get in there with, with these guys like Jeff, having had no idea who Negan was. Yeah. And, and I had this idea because my girlfriend's brother is in the special forces right. and he said to me like all these guys from the south you know because they just fish and hunt and track and they just grow up that way and they kind of get into the special forces so i like this juxtaposition of this like he's in a clean men in black style suit but he has the cowboy boots and the belt buckle and the gold-plated gun and the accent and you're like who is this dude like he's like you know he's got like a hillbillyish kind of vibe cowboy vibe to him yeah 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 but he's like He's OGA. He's like an FBI agent. Like he's an, he's a ghost, you know. So I, I love all that stuff. I I don't know if the audience gets all that, but like for me, you know, who you know grow up on comic books and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, yeah, that's rad. I, I want to see that character, you know. <laughs> so you're you're a comic book fan. I presume you were a fan of Zack Snyder's Watchmen because yeah, you have the you have obviously Malin Ackerman in this as well. Well, I'm a fan of Canadians as a, as a Canadian. <laughs> I'm a fan of Canadian. So you just give your your your, your bit back. To, yeah, to the motherland. I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. it says here you're Canadian. <laughs> you're hired. Um, no, Malin's great. Um, she's actually born in Sweden yeah. and then raised in Canada. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what that means for her temperament. I don't know. You know, she's I don't know really what nice, s- but really really chilled about it. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. She's really chilled and, and, and incredibly nice. Um, and then I, you know, my composer's Canadian. I, I keep Canadians <laughs> around as much as possible because, at, you know, I'm probably the most erratic, uh, temperamental Canadian that I work with. But I have a lot of stress in my life. I got a lot going on. So I try to keep the calm, kind people around me at all times. Um, but Malin was great. And, uh, um, yeah, no, there, it's my big thing is just a no asshole zone. Try to work with really good people. Uh-huh. It's so hard, you know. This the movie making process is so hard. I mean, look, I'm 
I'm I'm actually 17, but I've aged to this 40 year old <laughs> just because of the stress. You yeah. know, the bags under my eyes yeah. are are well earned, sir. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you when it gets hard. You know, when you're on like. I don't know, day 50 or day 70, or God, if you're doing like the Hunger Games, like day 90 or 100 or something. Can you imagine how tired everybody, everyone would want to kill each other? Yeah. You know, sure. like, so you keep really good people around you so that when someone has a moment or you're like ready to kill yourself or whatever, you're just so exhausted, you can laugh about it or, you know, you can have a good time because you're so tired. And when you watch a movie, nobody thinks like, oh, this was day 40 uh-huh. and that was day one. Uh-huh. You know, like you can't you can't have a weak scene. It's true. Can, there's yeah. no excuse like, oh, guys, well, guys, we were all tired. That was day 100. They're like, well, that scene sucks, <laughs> you know? So you should, uh, you should do a cut of that for the DVD where it just it, it superimposes on screen what day it was. That'd be funny. So you can just tell yeah. at that oh. point. If, if Dwayne's looking a bit peaked in one scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's leaning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Ooh. laughs> I've been up a long time here, people. All the all the night scenes are like everybody is like just exhausted. It's barely in focus. Yeah, it's just yeah, trying yeah. to hold it together. Yeah. Uh, but the no the no uh, the no assholes policy is a very interesting one because you can't ask someone outright if they're an asshole uh, when you're interviewing them for for a position because they'd lie. So how do you well how do you, how the do you reputation know? doesn't doesn't <laughs> you lie. do the uh, the uh, due diligence? I've learned, sir. I've had a couple. I've had a couple instances. Where I'm like, well, I can't do this again. <laughs> and you then ask around. That you know, giant bee. I'm not working with that giant bee ever again. <laughs> I wish it were a giant bee. <laughs> I would have just replaced it with a different giant bee. <laughs> Who would tell? Nobody. Who would know? Nobody would, Nobody know. would know. But yeah, it, it's hard, man. When you get someone, when you get someone on set, um, you know, and, and they're not gracious or kind. And it, it's such a collaborative process, you know. Um, there's so many analogies, but imagine you were on whatever the biggest team, soccer team, football team, whatever you want to call it, basketball team, mm-hmm. and and one of your star players, like, just nobody liked him. <laughs> Do you know how hard it would be to win? <laughs> Do you know? Because you're just like, oh, God, I got to deal with this. Yeah. You know? And, and it's not because you don't want to deal with it. It's just that the guy is difficult. Yeah. You know? And so imagine that. And then imagine it. That's like a binary example. It's like put the ball in the net. You know, it's like very straightforward. <laughs> Creating a film, it, that's like art. There's like, I want it to be green. There's a, there's a thousand shades of green. You know, yeah. what's the correct shade of green? It's not yeah. put the ball in the net, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so complex that my approach to it is just get really like-minded, good people together so that if someone's having a moment or a tough time, the people will support them mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, having the guy that everyone just wants to hit over the head and throw in a, <laughs> throw in a trunk and get off the set. <laughs> well, of course, this is your uh, your third time around with uh, with Dwayne. Mm-hmm. Um, do you call him Dwayne or do you call him The Rock? I Mr. call him Mr. Rock, sir. No. Mr. Rock, sir. <laughs> um, I, I call, well, DJ or Dwayne. DJ or Dwayne. Oh, okay, that's good. Uh, same. Same here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, just, you know, whatever. whatever. What's up, DJ? Yeah. <laughs> whatever he just I'm, looks what, at you like, <laughs> like, who the hell are you? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> So rockness, yeah, his rockulosity. I like to call him that. Um, so obviously he's passed the no asshole test, but he, oh yeah, I mean, he is also someone who famously doesn't tolerate assholishness on set as well. Yeah, he he has a he has the same approach I have. Yeah, you know, it's like it's a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Get people who want to collaborate together. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, 
it's just hard. Like I said, it's just hard. Mm. It's just hard. Like, you know, I look at like 2001 or The Shining or any of these like great films. And having made films, which whatever gets 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. God damn you, Rotten Tomatoes. Why do I only get 50? I try so hard. You know, like, but you know, like I, you put your heart and soul in these. I really do. Like I really, I really work really, really hard, yeah, you yeah, know, to make yeah. these things enjoyable and not over the top and like and balancing all these things out. And I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have the famous superhero. I'm like, San Andreas, there's no based on an earthquake brought to you by San, you know, like, you know, Rampage, the 80s stand-up arcade game that you all remember and love. Like, you know, it's, it takes a lot of work. Um, and so, you know, you just, you just want to kind of like, I don't know, you want to be around people that are just going to try to elevate everything and you, you, you don't want any yeah. of the nonsense, you yeah. know, and Dwayne's, Dwayne's like that. Dwayne's like, He's going to work hard. He's going to work with you. He's yeah. going to bring his A game. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I actually had that that kind of no-asshole policy on, on Journey 2 is when yeah. Bo and I actually said it. And, honestly, a lot of it has to do with being a somewhat sensitive Canadian boy. <laughs> I'm a little sensitive. I'm aware of it. I'm very – you know what it is? Is like I can vibe a room really well. It's part of, like um, – Probably like part of being a good poker player, you know, like oh really, yeah, yeah, like okay. If I'm really tired and stressed out as a filmmaker, I don't want you to see that because I don't want the cast to get nervous. But I have to be able to sense off of everybody where they stand. And when you have a set where it's not a cohesive thing, mm-hmm. you get that sense that there's like a disruption, you know, yeah, that there's yeah. something off kilter. Yeah, and and that's distracting, honestly, yeah. as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, that's distracting, and. So for me, I was like, all right, well, listen, I'm sensitive. I'm not going to change that. I mean, that's part of my superpower is to understand, you know, performance and, and, and nuance and read people and yeah. all of those things. Um, so I need to keep people around that I don't have to worry about like that, you know, that, that, that they're going to be having a good time, that they're going to be part of the team. Mm. Um, and so I think Dwayne may be similar. He doesn't like conflict. The same way I don't like conflict. I work from a place of like – Hey, let's get on the same page and make something cool. Yeah. Let's not stand here and argue about some nonsense like the color of your shirt for 45 <laughs> minutes or whatever if you want to say the versus the or you know like yeah. give me a break, man. Let's just get it put on its feet and find yeah. out what works. We're all trying to make the same thing here. You know, yeah, we all have the same well, goal, don't yeah. we? Oh, I'm sorry. You want to make a mediocre movie. <laughs> Noted. The rest of us want to make a, the best film possible. <laughs> You're a poker player. No, you're not a poker player. Well, I've played poker, but that was my analogy. Okay, I was going to say because uh, Team Empire have a poker match tomorrow night. Oh, we're terrible. <laughs> I mean, we're terrible. So I was wondering if you had some tips, but evidently you you don't. I'm the sort of guy. Uh, in the past, I have picked my cards up, looked at my cards, and then said out loud what my cards are. So okay, my tip is to not do that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got past that now. Oh, okay, but, okay, yeah, I'm okay, and I understand that, that was a bad thing to do. But there are no. Other my tips. tip would be. Uh, to literally, so for me, it's wear sunglasses. <laughs> that because looks so weird. No, no, no. It, yeah, but who cares if you're winning? These are my friends. No, no, no. You're, <laughs> this is the best. Like, this would be sunglasses. like, this is the best. You're going to show up. You're going to be so ready. You're like the guy. You're like hoodie, hoodie. sunglasses. You're like, <laughs> and then I'll pick up my cards and go, ooh, two and six. <laughs> oh, crap. I mean, no, nothing. Oh, I'm not folding. I, for me, it's my eyes tell. All right. Tell everything. You know, I'm just like, I can't help it. I can't. You can read me so easily with my eyes. So 
Yeah, and I only remember that because on the first movie I did with Dwayne, I was so nervous on Dwayne on day one, but we were in Hawaii, and I felt, and I got to wear sunglasses so no one could see my eyes, so no one could tell how nervous I was. So that's where my tip came from. <laughs> All right, noted. I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. We started off talking about how Jeffrey D. Morgan's character surprised me, and if I'm honest, the whole movie surprised me cool. right from the off because you have, I was expecting. Big, bright, cartoonish, right. primary colors. Right. Straight away, we're plunged into the space station sequence. Yeah. That is like Life 2 or something from an alien movie. Right. And the tone of that actually continues on. It's a lot darker, right. a lot bloodier, a lot more visceral than I was perhaps expecting. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately you're trying to make like an entertaining yeah. movie. And I grew up on Return of the Jedi and <laughs> Goonies and yeah. Indiana Jones. But I also grew up on Terminator 2. And Terminator 2, to me, is the ultimate tone. Yeah. Okay? And and people, you know, like you read these reviews and they're like, it's absurd. And I'm like, well, okay, so here's Terminator 2. Let me break down Terminator 2 for you. He's an Austrian robot from the future who shows up naked goes into a biker bar, gets some assless fucking leather chaps, comes out to bad to the bone, puts on his sunglasses at night, and rides away on a motorcycle. Because he's playing poker. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. <laughs> and you don't question it. And it's James Cameron as a filmmaker. So, you know, I grew up on that type of stuff, and I love that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, that's to me, that's the shit. Yeah. Like, I want that, you know, when I see – I want to walk out – oh, and by the way, I forgot – uh, the robot dies in the end, and you will weep, even yeah. though the other actor has never acted in a movie before. <laughs> the kid, kid's never been on a set before. Like, you know, so for me, it's it's trying to balance all those elements. It's like make it a little scary, make you laugh, make it grounded, uh, embrace the absurdity. Like, yeah. do all yeah. of those things, and it's a it's a tall task. But for me, honestly, like, there's two things that I I use as a compass all the time, and it's one is theme. It's so obvious, but it's like. You can people lose track of this stuff. You see so many films that just don't really work, and it's because I think they lose track of like the real core pillars that you build a movie around. Theme: What is the movie about? Mm. Sounds obvious, but if you lose track of what those scenes are actually about, your movie spirals out of control. This movie's friendship trust. Dwayne doesn't trust anybody. Mm. Trust George. His best friends, George the Albino Gorilla. I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but then they go through all of this stuff. And Dwayne goes through all this stuff to not give up on him. In most movies, it would be put down the monster. And he's like, no, I'm not putting down the monster. The monster's my friend. Yeah. And then you get to the end of the movie, and then you're like, yes, Dwayne Johnson and a monster are fighting other monsters. Hell yes, we're destroying Chicago. You know, like, so <laughs> you have to, like, keep your eye on theme. And then the other thing for me is just emotion. It sounds obvious, but, like, you have to track where everyone is in all, all the scenes. Like, what should they really be feeling? Mm. But then the more complex thing is what, is the, what should the audience really be feeling? Yeah, yeah. And that's what allows you to navigate, like, is it okay to be scary here? Is a joke okay here? It's really a question of tone. Yeah. You know, and if you can balance all of that, then I think your tone kind of clicks together. And again, like, you know, pre-existing things have a 
have a have a cleaner um, map to it. You know, there's a this is like again based on the 1980s video game. There's there's a lot of possibilities with this. It could be really absurd. It could be really silly. It could be you know I could go the other way and make it really dark or really grounded. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but it's like you want to try to you want to try to balance it all out. So yeah, like I, I rip a couple guys in half in Wyoming with a wolf, but I'm like kind of have to. It's a giant wolf and they deserve it. They're badasses. Not I'll rip that dude in half. But I also don't want it to be like so gory that I, you know, I uh, make a 10-year-old burst into tears never to enjoy a movie of mine again, you know? Yeah. But it's an interesting relationship, I think, that the audience has with George, because we love George as well. Yeah. But you don't shy away from the fact that George has blood in his paws. No. Yeah. Well, he's, is... he's an albino. Yeah. It's really going to show. <laughs> no hiding this. No. He got some bloody knuckles. Oops. Um, yeah, no, it's it's... I think you forgive him because... At the end of the day, and I'm not trying to get too heavy or anything, but the, the the real villains are these two people. Yeah. Right? And so what you get away with here is the fact that the villains are really irresponsible with the technology, and it creates these animals to rampage. And when people would say, like, well, you know, the crocodile, why is it, why is it doing this stuff? I'm like, because it's hungry. Because it's gigantic, and it wants to eat stuff, you know? Like, Can you imagine the calories? <laughs> it's, it literally blinks and burns 4,000 calories, you know? Like, so for me, I was like, let's, let's just remind people constantly that those two people are the bad guys so that when George is rampaging, you forgive him because it's not him. Yeah. It's what he's been, he's been augmented. He's been uh, polluted by this thing. Mm. And he's been, you know, we're driving him crazy, you know? So it was cool because I, I'm a big animal lover and I'm like, they're innocent. Animals are innocent. They don't like, oh, I'm the villainous wolf. You're like, you know, like, I'm the, I'm the asshole dog. I'm like, no, someone mistreated that dog, and now he's that, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. They're just living, you know? So it was easy to kind of like, you know, navigate that. But I, I was careful. I was like, we can't have him meet too many people because then people will hate him. And I'm like, I, I, f- I fell in love with George. He's so funny yeah, he's that I was like, I can't, I never want people to dislike them yeah all right brad payton it's been a pleasure cool thanks man. man thank you thanks okay so that was brad payton and as you know this week's podcast is sponsored by sky cinema which gives you unlimited access to the best movies at home whenever and wherever you want in the best possible way i've been a sky cinema subscriber for many years now i love the choice they offer they've got over a thousand quality movies on demand i once counted them that is correct and they're ready for me to enjoy whenever i want and my recommendation this week is one of the best action movies and one of the best sequels of the last few years it is Keanu Reeves strutting his funky stuff in a killer suit in John Wick Chapter 2 which is a movie that that builds upon and improves upon the tropes and mythology established in the first movie Uh, John Wick is of course the world's greatest assassin and this time he is going up against potentially even greater assassins in Rome and New York it's a lot of fun you have great fight sequences of common you have great head-to-head with Lawrence Fishburne's. you got Neo and Morpheus reunited on screen again. It's really stylish, really well directed by Chad Stahelski, who co-directed the first movie along with David Leitch and is a glorious, glorious action movie. Extraordinarily violent, but if that sort of thing is your bag, then go for it. John Wick Chapter 2. And Sky Cinema also brackets movies into collections. And because today is Friday the 13th, uh, I'm going to recommend... The Friday the 13th Saga. They have a whole bunch of films from that series, including the first one, the one in which it is not Jason Voorhees, and my personal favourites, part two, part four, the erroneously titled The Final Chapter, 
They went on to make another six, <laughs> at least. Uh, and that one has a young Corey Feldman and a young Chris McGlover. And then part six, Jason Lives, which is completely batshit gone so crazy. So if you like maniacs in masks making mincemeat out of morons with machetes, then the Friday the 13th series is right up your crystal lake. Uh, those are my recommendations for this week. Join me next week for more Sky Cinema-related fun. Before we get on the movie news, I do have something serious to say. Uh, Sarah Dunn is one of the best photographers I've had the pleasure to work with here at Empire. Her work has graced the pages of Empire well over a decade now. She is one of the best eyes I've ever seen, and she's just a lovely, wonderful human being. Very, very sunny, makes you feel at ease, funny, and everyone just loves her. Uh, so it breaks my heart to say that Sarah was involved in a traffic accident a couple of weeks ago in L.A., where she now lives. And as a result, she has suffered a severe brain injury. Uh, the prognosis, thankfully, is for a recovery, but it'll be a long and hard road ahead. And so Sarah's family have set up a GoFundMe campaign to raise funds to help that fight over the years to come. Uh, so if you wish to contribute to that, uh, you just go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, dash done. That's gofundme.com forward slash Sarah dash done. And obviously everyone here in the podcast and everyone at Empire wishes Sarah the very, very best. Uh, get well. Amen get well. Okay, so uh, let's now talk about the movie news, what has been happening this week, people. There was a Star Wars trailer. Yes, oh, tell right, us more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I genuinely forgot about that. Yeah. Was, <laughs> Wait, was, was it the end of last week or the very beginning of this? It was the very beginning. It was first thing Monday morning, yeah. wasn't it? So we saw that. What did we think of the solo trailer? I liked it a bit more than the first one. I'm still not, I still wasn't totally swept away by it. But um, it, unlike, again, it seemed, unlike Alderaan, you're saying you were not totally blown away. I was not. Oh, oh dear. Is that too, too still soon, too soon? Too yeah. soon. Um, but it, it looks, it's kind of pushing the fun angle a bit more. It seemed a little bit more lively and vibrant than that initial first trailer that they put out, which was just weirdly muted, uh, I thought, in, in tone and, in, and visually as well. I, there's more like great Lando stuff. There's some really nice shots in there. I, I don't know. I, I, I still don't feel as excited as I would hope to be about the film, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And again, the other new poster that they've put out alongside the trailer is is really good. It's a similar style to the sort of one sheets of all the characters, but it's got everyone together and it's kind of a beautiful pattern of the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and it looks really nice. So not totally blown away, but equally not like millions of voices cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Somewhere between the two. I really like C. Fleepio which is what I'm calling uh, the Fleabag Robot, uh, I, which uh, I, I, that I think is going to be a source of much comedic lols. I think it's probably good to go into this with slightly lowered expectations, isn't it? Yeah. My voice is getting worse. This is really bad. No, this is fine. This is really good. Because <laughs> I feel like um, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't go in expecting the spectacle that we would get from a full-on episode. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that this will be tonally different and feel like something really, really unique. Because even Rogue One you know, was a war movie. Mm. And so I'm hoping that this feels separate from the rest. Yeah, so like a, a slightly comedic heist caper is, I think, uh, well, was what I'm guessing they're going for. Yeah. Certainly what I've heard they're going for. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see it. I, I enjoyed the trailer. Uh, it was no Infinity War trailer. Uh, well, what me, is? But, well, quite. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it didn't give me the shivers in the same way like, like a main episode trailer will almost guaranteed to do. Uh, but I'm very, very curious to see what this turns into. Uh, if you haven't seen the Solo a Star Wars story trailer, I do suggest you go and have a look at it now. Yeah. Well, and not now, because you listen to the podcast, but, you know, afterwards. And we've unveiled the new subscribers cover, right, with we Solo have, Artwork? We have, yes. The new issue of the magazine, which has uh, a stunning 
uh, subscribers cover. Uh, I don't know who drew it. Does anyone know who drew it? Me. Chris drew it. Yeah. Uh, it's an illustration of the Millennium Falcon, and it is glorious. And you can see a picture of that on the website right now. Uh, yeah, it was illustrated by Dan Mumford, who's done an amazing job. It's a really kind of bold uh, strokes uh, illustration of the Falcon flying through this lightning-filled vortex, followed by a Star Destroyer and all these TIE fighters swirling around. It looks yeah. amazing. It's up on the website, all the social media mm-hmm. channels. And we still don't know why the middle bit of the front of the Falcon is filled in. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. part of like what I presume we find out that mm. the Falcon becomes the Falcon we know. Well, yeah, but because uh, historically speaking, the reason it has two prongs at the front is because it's a tugboat. It's for moving about shipping containers. So there you go. There's a, there's a Wikipedia fact for you right there. I am excited about this Chewbacca movie that they have made. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a great shot of Chewbacca like picking someone up and smacking their head on yeah. the floor, and I was into that. Really excited. Mm-hmm. A lot of Chewbacca in this trailer. Not too sure about the little fella that they've paired him with, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll see what happens there. I don't know why they're calling it Solo. It should be called Baka. Chewbacca. I'll be Baka. Um, also <laughs> this week, there was news of Mulan, which is exciting. So the, yes. the live-action remake of Mulan is picking up a very starry cast. Um, yesterday, we heard that Donnie Yen would be joining it. Today came Gong Li and Jet Li. No relation also joining the cast, which is fantastic news. So Gong Li is going to be the baddie, essentially. She is a powerful witch with designs on the country. Aren't we all? Well, no. <laughs> I don't know what you've heard. <laughs> and they join Leo Yifei as Mulan herself. So Who's directing this again? It's Nikki Caro oh, okay. of Whale Rider fame, which is fantastic news. Very good. Very exciting. good. Keep an eye on that one. There's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of uh, interesting casting news. And we, we talked a little bit about the Meg trailer. Uh, it is preposterous and nonsensical and looks like the most fun you're going to have possibly in a cinema with the state. Unless <laughs> you consider Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. The spin-off yes. of Fast and Furious, which now has a director. And the director excites me a lot. because yeah. director... Tyrese Gibson, who has done a complete 180 and decided <laughs> he really wants to be involved. Yeah, he's going to sabotage him from within. Oh, sorry, guys. The lens cap was on. I didn't get that great take. Oh, well. Uh, so this is going to be directed by David Leach, yes. who is the co-director of John Wick, obviously, and the director of Atomic Blonde, which had an incredible uh, one take. Not really yeah. one take, but one take uh, fight sequence. But- this man can direct action. Yeah. Deadpool 2. Yeah. Yes, he can. But I mean, why get him for this? It's not like there's going to be any action <laughs> in a Hobbs and Shaw film. Yeah. That's so weird. It's just, I could watch a feature-length version of just their little, you know, hissy fit in the prison. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. that That over an hour and a half would be I, fine for me. I mean, it, it does all, we all take away from Shaw's introduction in Fast 7, which Shut was up, Helen. so good. <laughs> and I liked him as a villain. And I feel like he's not anymore. I feel, I feel that they have to go... F- they, they've gone retcon on Shaw, Deckard Shaw, Massively. to the point where he wasn't even called Deckard when he <laughs> showed up at the end of Fast and Furious 6. Apparently he was Ian Shaw, now he's Deckard Shaw. <laughs> Ian. Uh, Ian. That's good. Yeah. It's not quite as, no. you know, out there. Beware, and... it's Ian. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to go full retcon with Deckard Shaw and whether they're going to bring back Han. What? Han, Han Solo. Han Solo. <laughs> Lest we forget. Yeah, um, I think they might bring him back for Fast Nine uh, because it's still. What re- I rewatched Fast Eight the other day, and I know you disagree with this, Helen, but I think it's the worst one since Fast and Furious. It's that film. The dialogue is so bad in that movie. Uh, Shaw is now such a goodie that oh. the fact that he killed, yeah, in cold blood, in cold the blood. best member of the team, yeah, uh, it still uh, sticks my craw a little bit. So yeah, yeah. 
I don't think Gal Gadot is going to come back anytime soon as Giselle. I think she's a bit busy. She's a little bit busy. She may have outgrown their franchise, but I'd love (laughs) to see uh, uh, Sun Kang come back as Han in Fast 9, uh, which may, of course, not have The Rock in it because he's been... He spoke to Rolling Stone a little bit more about the the contretemps between himself (laughs) and uh, Finn Diesel on the set of Fast 8, of yeah. course, if, uh, and he admitted that, yes, they never actually shared a shot, they never actually shared a shot together. So there's only a couple of moments in that film where you see Hobbs and uh, Dom Toretto in the same scene, but it's all very carefully managed so they didn't actually shoot together because... So it was Vin Diesel who was the candy ass. Well, <gasps> yes. It, so it would seem. So I don't Not know whether he's, I don't know whether Hobbs is going to be in Fast 9 and 10, so maybe this is the, the, the direction that the... Hobbs and Shaw character is going to go down now. And of course, will the uh, Owen Shaw, Luke Evans, be in there as well for a bit of ruddy bloody? Oh, <laughs> ruddy bloody. And, and their big mum. fat juicy action. Fingers crossed they bring their mum. Yes, they will, she'll be there. He he has such a brief appearance in um, Fast 8, doesn't he? What's what vehicle? I, I haven't seen it since um, it first came out, but he appears in the vehicle. What vehicle are they in? Is it the plane. submarine or the, the plane? plane? And plane. He, I think he goes to fly the plane. He does. And yeah. then. He never comes back. He just disappears. He just disappears. He's he's still up there. Yeah. He's still flying around. He's He's trying to find the giant runway to land on. Yeah. Uh, What else? What else? What else? Um, A quick one. Um, John Krasinski obviously was here talking about A Quiet Place. Yes. I'm very upset. I missed that. Um, Uh, If you haven't listened to that spoiler podcast, do so. I listened to it last night and it was great. And I don't just mean the bits that I did with everyone else. I mean the interview (laughs) that Chris did with John Krasinski, which amazingly he did quite a good job with. He, well, John Krasinski knows his stuff on that film. He's a lovely sounding man. I want him to be my friend. Surprised by John Kaczynski doing a good job in the interview, no, or no, by me no, doing no. a good job. John, I had all faith in. <laughs> anyway, um, he's up for his next film. So obviously, a quiet place has already been a big success, um, and his his next film is Life on Mars, which is based on the book We Have Always Lived on Mars, which is set on Mars, Mars um, and it's about a woman who's um, who is part of a Martian colony set up from Earth. Wow, my voice is. Just going crazy. It's great. Now your 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 phalanx of, of, <laughs> of Twitter followers are loving this. It's like that time Hi. we had Bobcat Goldthwait on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, they've all abandoned Earth. We following a cataclysm, and this woman one day finds out she can breathe on Mars. What? So it's kind of like um, that's, that's not scientifically possible. Did you know, or Helen? Is it? Did you know? Scientifically proven, pandas can breathe on Mars. <laughs> that is a fact. Wow, these facts that you keep yeah. coming up with, James, are amazing. Um, if you are interested in living on Mars, can I just take a moment to recommend the Red Mars series by Kim Stanley Robinson, um, which are great, and also the Red Rising series by, I think it's Pierce Brown. See, you say that, but I started Red Rising, and I'm finding it quite hard going at the moment, because it's very jargonistic. Like, they use lots of made-up words. It's neologism heavy, and I'm struggling with it. You're neologism heavy. <laughs> Yes. Well, yes, there's no coming back from that, Jimbo, is there? Um, I've got some news. Just with my pilot TV hat on, oh, your new favourite television magazine, your on sale at all good news agents. Yes. Everyone go and buy it now if you haven't already. Yes, yes. Um, uh, the people know already about your little fanzine. It's fine. You don't need to tell them anymore. Buy it now or I'll kill you all. <laughs> A couple of things. Bosch Season 4 dropped today on Amazon for those who are who are watching it and those who aren't, you really should because it's great and Titus Welliver is the man. His face is his passport, so watch him immediately. Uh, but that's... No, <laughs> Warrant. Well, I was mashing up with warrant. Groundhog Day. I was doing a. I was Gra- doing. A, you mean? <laughs> do you see sneakers, where my brain works? Sneakers. There? I'm going. <laughs> you're going. You're going. Tobolowski. I'm going. Tobolowski. Going... I'm going. Sneakers. Groundhog Day. I don't know what I'm doing. But what I'm actually here to say is Jessica Jones has been renewed for a third season, which I think we've all been crying out for. So yay! Do you watch season two? Uh, I haven't finished it yet because I've been away. 
Yes. Um, yeah, okay. I wasn't a fan, but um, I'm hoping that they can they can claw back some mm. ground with season three. Good. The actual news I was going to wrap up with, uh, which is very exciting, is that It Chapter 2 is beginning yes. to really lock its casting into place. So we have Jessica Chastain on board already as the adult version of Bev, which is fantastic. And now today, James McAvoy and Bill Hader are in talks to join the cast. So McAvoy will play the ostensible lead of the, the film, I guess, Bill Denver. Uh, Bill Denver beats the devil, beats his fist against a post, and still insists he sees the ghosts, all that sort of stuff. That's but right. uh, And Richie Tozier will be played by Bill Hader. And this is... It's really amazing. Really good yeah. casting. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this film. Do you know what else mm-hmm. Bill Hader's in? Barry. Yes, which features in the new issue of Pilot TV. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, Barry's right. really good. I've seen the first few of those. It's it's very, very funny HBO show. I think it's on Sky Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's definitely worth catching. It's quite uh, dark and very amusing. And I find nothing amusing, so that should tell you lots. <laughs> Maybe that means it's not amusing. Maybe. Very possibly, but I hear it for every good thing from people yeah. who know what they're talking about, and <laughs> James as well. Uh, and this week, the final thing to talk about uh, is the fact that Netflix have pulled out of the Cannes Film Festival completely. So they were going to be there with a whole bunch of films, including the new Paul Greengrass film, the restored Orson Welles film, The Other Side of the, the Wind, but the head of the Cannes Film Festival, Thierry Frameau, was very, very adamant that Netflix films should play out of competition. So then Netflix, I think, called their bluff this week and went, right, okay, we're not going to be appearing at all at your your film mm. festival. Uh, so what do we think about this? What do we think about... Th- does this mean anything? Does does appear, not appearing in Cannes mean anything for Netflix? Or in some way, are they basically saying that the world's biggest film festival is irrelevant? It's a weird situation. So last year when the whole Netflix-Cannes controversy erupted, um, I went on to do a, one of these discussion things on Radio 4 or something about it. And the um, the representative from Cannes at that point was saying it's actually kind of about fairness that the... The films other, uh, otherwise shown at Cannes all play in the French cinemas and French cinemas contribute to the festival so that there's a kind of a, um, economic fairness argument for that. Excuse no! me. No! Is that the, the draw, noise. Chris? No! Um, Could I choose your football child over your comic book child? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. Thanos for nothing, you bastards. Anyway, Helen. Anyway, um, so I don't know. I, th- I feel like there are bigger issues here that, that are not entirely talked about. Now, there's a fair argument that the kind of art house films that would Netflix would be bringing to Cannes would not be available in general cinemas for most of the population of the world anyway. So, you know, the sort of city elites in like... New York, LA, London, Paris are missing out. But the people in most of the rest of the countries of the world are not, actually, because they wouldn't get to see it on the big screen anyway. So I I don't know how big a a, a Ferrari this is, really. Um, But it's slightly worrying for those who are trying to market Netflix to filmmakers as a place where they can see their their things brought to life. Mm. Because if they have to choose up front between the big screen and Netflix, that's a really hard decision. Whereas up until now, there's been the chance that, you know, you might get to the big screen at least. So something like Annihilation, yeah. something like Beasts of the Southern World Wild might yeah. get to the festivals to the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, this, this is going to be really intriguing to see what happens uh, as things go forward. Because I don't think Netflix are for budget at all on this in terms of theatrical and showing films in cinema and how this is going to impact upon Martin Scorsese and The Irishman which you would expect to get some sort of theatrical release later in the year. Mm. 
still time for them to relent, but I don't think that's going to happen. But there you go. So that is the movie news section. And next up, our second guest this week. Very excited about this. This was recorded back in December, by the way. So if any of the references are a little bit out of date, then that's, that's why. Back in the early days of the Empire podcast, I was rude about Scott Adkins mm. on the Empire podcast. Uh, I, I didn't mean to be. I just I think I, I called him a shit Ben Affleck in The Expendables 2. Uh, just thinking, this is the, the power of our words. We don't care. We just fling them out into the ether, and we don't know who they'll hurt. And they hurt Scott Adkins because he listens to the podcast. And so he called me out on Twitter, and I immediately shot myself because Scott Adkins is, uh, if you don't know who he is, he is a British actor. He is an action star. Uh, you'll have seen him in the likes mainstream movies. You'll have seen him in the likes of Doctor Strange, uh, Grimsby, Helen's favorite film, and uh, <laughs> and of course The Expendables too. But he's also the star of a lot of straight to video. Uh, sequels like Hard Target 2 and lots of films like that as well. And he is a bona fide action star who moves like a giant panda. He's extraordinary. He's got athleticism, speed, the whole the whole kitten and Just like a panda. So he called me out on Twitter. I shot myself. Uh, but then we made a bit of it. There was a bit of a reconciliation. It's all fine. And now he is the star, writer and producer of a film called Accident Man, which uh, debuts on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday, uh, April 16th. And so he reached out and said, can I come on the podcast and talk about Accident Man? I said, yes, of course you can, as long as you don't kick my face off, you big brute. So he came into the podcast in December, and <laughs> no word of lie, it was a scheduling snafu, so we weren't in this nice, spacious studio. We were in a broom cupboard, which is why the microphones are a little bit off for the first couple of minutes until I rectified it. But he was within kicking distance of me, but I still have a face, uh, and I really enjoyed this interview. He's a lo- he's a lot of fun, very very self aware guy. So this is Scott Adkins talking about well everything Scott Adkinsy. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by a listener to the podcast, indeed, and movie star in his spare time. Obviously, Scott Adkins. How are you, sir? Delighted to be here, Chris. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. And uh, Scott, I think we should address the elephant in the room. <laughs> so Which- soon. You're so soon. Let's just get out of the way, shall we? Because I thought you were going to roundhouse kick me into the middle of next week. Because the uh, I, I first mentioned you in the podcast in slightly derogatory fashion all those years ago, and you called me out on Twitter, and it terrified the life out of me. Because I mean, Jesus Christ, look at the size of you. Well, that's why I'm here, Chris. Didn't you know? <laughs> this is it. I thought it was abundantly clear, <laughs> but it's just not that good on radio. It's not that but good, is it? Hopefully, we can hear the sounds. No, of course, I'm joking. <laughs> You're going to roundhouse kick it, me. It was this all is, in jest, Chris. This it is was, why uh, I chose the smallest possible room. Exactly. That's it. So you can you know, so we give myself give myself a little bit more of a chance against you. <laughs> if it comes down to you know to grappling, I might have a chance. No, to be honest, I, it was a while ago. I can't quite remember. I I, but, I, uh, I I think I said in the podcast in reference to Expendables two that you were. A an inferior Ben Affleck, and this probably predates Sasha Baron Cohen calling me Ukrainian. Precisely, ben Affleck. precisely. So how come he can get away with it and I can't? What the hell? Well, the funny thing about that was he improvised quite a few different lines, and I would not have thought they would have gone with the Ukrainian Ben Affleck, but they did. <laughs> those bastards. There is a resemblance, though. There is, there an, is an, yeah. an Affleckian resemblance. Yeah, this side is Ben Affleck. <laughs> this side is Rob Brydon. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Which one's your best side? Which one do you think? Uh, definitely not the Rob Brydon one. <laughs> <laughs> Both work. Both work. Uh, but it's good to have you here. It's good to have. No, thanks for having me. Seriously, it's good to have you on. And uh, you're here because you have you've you've become a triple threat 
with Accident Man. Yes. Which is uh, so you are you're you're starring in it. Oh yes. That's that's a given. Yes. But you're also producing and co-writing as well. Exactly. Accident Man. So that's well, it, it was a comic book that I stumbled upon when I was about fourteen, coming back from school, went to the newsagents. There was Accident Man in this comic strip called Toxic. They had different uh, comic strips in there. One of them was Accident Man came out every two weeks or every month. And I always thought, man, this would be an incredible film. Uh, somebody's going to make this one day. Mm. But they never did. Um, and then as I got into the business and secretly always harbored the desire to play Accident Man and to make the film, um, I tried to get quite a few producers interested along the way and it never really gained any traction. Um, I started to write the film before I even got the rights. Right, okay. Uh, I okay. said to my one of my best mates from school, Stu Small, is an aspiring writer. He is a writer. And um, we just started writing it together, uh, adapting the comic book. Uh, kind of thinking in the back of my head, well, once we've got, got it to a certain shape, maybe we'll get a real writer in to come and finish <laughs> it off or something. But um, no, we, we, we kept on with it. And uh, eventually... We had that script and we got it to the attention of um, Sony Pictures. Uh -huh. And uh, they said, yeah, we'd love to make the film. No rewrite required. Amazing. So really it was done out of necessity because I, I so much wanted to play this character. Um, couldn't afford to pay anyone else to write it. Um, <laughs> produced it because no other producer would listen to me. And, you know, at the time I was seeing films. This started in around 2010. Right. And I'm seeing films like uh, Kick-Ass come out. Yeah, yeah. Kingsman. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Deadpool. Yeah. All all of these films with a very similar tone, the exact tone that I felt we should have for what is uh, a really sort of darkly comedic, gritty British comic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's... Finally, they took notice. So, uh, how, what was the experience like of uh, of being that triple threat on, on set? Stressful. Yeah. It's still stressful now, you know, trying to get the word out for, to, uh, about the film. But, you know, what? once we got the film going, it was just, you know, pretty standard as, as an actor. I always try to yeah. get as involved as I can anyway. If if you're number one on the call sheet, yeah, yeah. you want to make sure everything's running as smoothly as possible, if you can uh, have any help in that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, yeah, stressful. God, I don't know if I'll do it again, but probably will. Really? Well, I probably again. will. I say that now. It's Second like time would be so birth, much easier. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, but who's going to say no to Scott Adkins as a producer? If, you, if you're demanding something. I had to kick the shit out of a few people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's just natural. It comes to the territory, right? Yeah. Well, there were some other producers as well <laughs> that were much more experienced than me. I did notice that your credit comes first. <laughs> it's yeah. produced by Scott Adkins and some other people as well. Yeah. We... Uh, we wrote the contract in blood. <laughs> tell tell the listeners about the film. What is Accident Man? Because this is based on a, as you say, a comic book. I don't think a lot of people know it's mm. uh, and it's Pat Mills, isn't it? And yeah, Pat Mills, who also wrote Judge Dredd. Yeah, it's quite obscure. Basically, he doesn't fall over on banana skins or anything <laughs> like that. It's he's called the Accident Man because he is a hitman. Yeah, and his speciality. Is making those hits look like an accident. Right. Therefore, the police, nobody asks any questions. It's just, oh, it was a terrible accident. You know, it's awful what happened. Um, so he's the perfect assassin. But he drinks at a pub, which is also, there's all these other killers that drink there. Uh, the pub is owned by Big Ray, who is the boss, the landlord. Played by Big Ray. 
played by Big Ray Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, who's great. And um, there is Milton, who yeah. works in the back office, played by David Paymer, uh-huh. Oscar-nominated David Paymer. <laughs> and he dishes out the contracts to one of the killers, uh, dependent on the style of kill required. So, yeah. if you needed an example killing, you might get Carnage Cliff, <laughs> hire him, who's going to chop their heads off and their limbs and stick them in a box. Yeah. And that's yeah. an example killing for you. That's... Or you might hire Jane, the rip, uh-huh. who will lure her victims into bed and then have her way with them and then execute them. Yep. That's and then you've got Mick and Mac. Uh, that's Amy Johnson, by the way. And then you've got yep. Mick and Mac, who is played by Ray Park from Star Wars fame and Michael Jai White. Uh-huh. And they're pretty much, they're a little bit like accident men themselves, actually, specialising in, in political hits and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. stuff like that. Ex-Special Forces Ex-Special, guys. Yeah. One is... Uh, British SAS X, the other one is X Navy SEAL, and they're constantly bickering about which special forces is the best, and blah blah blah. But you know, <laughs> together they are the team, unbeatable team. And uh, we have Poison Pete. Poison Pete, yeah. Not forgetting who yep. obviously poisons people. <laughs> what a lovely, what a lovely bunch. Oh yeah. So what did you want to direct yourself? What did you think? Three jobs on a on a set is too much. Well, here's the thing. When you're doing action films and you're doing your own fights yeah. and all the rest of it, it's extremely tiring, Chris. It's, <laughs> I, know, I know the feeling he's got. Li- listen, <laughs> it seemed like a good idea when I was 12. <laughs> Believe me, when I was watching Bloodsport, Mum, I want to do what that guy does, let me tell you. Yeah. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it's really difficult. No, it's very tiring, very time-consuming. And uh, luckily for me... I did a film with a director called Jesse Johnson yeah. uh, a year before we did Accident Man. Oh, no, uh, it was about six months before we did Accident Man. Yeah, it was a low-budget film. Uh, we got along great. He's a British guy living in L.A. He's the nephew of Vic Armstrong. He comes from oh my God. Stunt, British stunt royalty. Okay, that, ex- that explains it. Yeah, he's, he's come up through the stunt world. Yeah. He can work well under pressure. Uh, but most importantly, we shared the same vision. But actually, what was great about it was Jesse... We shook hands and said, you know, he said to me that I can see how important this is to you. I can see that you've got a vision for the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I want to do is we're going to make this film together, uh, which was very important to me to get what I wanted uh, out of the film, you know, but also to have a director that understood it and, and shared the same vision. Mm. So I, I guess you weren't, you weren't offset very often as producer. I mean, oh, no. Mike, your character Mike is in the film... A lot. I can only think of like really a few scenes towards the end that you're not in. Yeah. But even so, I imagine you were on set all the time. Well, in fact, while writing the script, purposely I wanted to stretch out the flashback sequence where you have the young Mike yeah, Fallon yeah. Yeah. being trained up by Ray Stevenson. And one of the reasons for that is I, you know, I've done enough films to know that one way to to get us to be able to to spend more time on the action would be if. Um, Jesse could go off and film part of the movie that doesn't involve me <laughs> and I could stay uh, with the, the fight with uh, Ray Park and Michael J. White for instance That's I amazing. stayed there with the fight coordinator Tim Mann who did a great job and the second unit director and together we were able to uh, film more action so we did it for that and we also did it with the uh, Amy Johnston oh, yeah, Jane yeah, Ripper yeah. fight yeah. that's a cracking fight as well yeah but, but uh, yeah because we didn't have a lot of time we didn't, we didn't have a big budget we had 24 days, which really we shouldn't Jesus. have even had 24 days. We stretched it wow. that well. We got a great line producer called Ben Jacks who worked wonders for us. But, you know, the action takes uh, a lot of time. 
Um, My God! You know, so you need you need time. And there is, you know, there is a cracking fight. I think when you see the, the cast list, and the, the, you know, the, at the, the begin when the credits come up, and it says Ray Park and it says Michael Chai White, and yourself, you're thinking there's going to be some good fights in this thing. And there yeah. is, there's a, there's a cracking fight between the three of you. Uh, you, you said that it, it, it sucks, and I imagine recovery time and whatnot plays into in, into that. But can you talk about planning that fight, and then I guess fights in general. How, has it changed over the years? It's essential to work with a good fight coordinator. Yeah. Um, there's many guys out there that are much better than me, um, so I always like to work with someone that who, I can who trust. Are these people? <laughs> well, no, just at choreographing the fights. If they okay. don't do as I, I tell them, I will kick the shit out of them. <laughs> no, no, Tim would probably kick my ass. Um, but no, you got to work with someone you trust. I trust Tim. He's great. Uh, we worked together um, a few times before. Uh-huh. So we we previs the fight in the gym. Okay. Because it doesn't cost any money to do that. With some of the stunt guys, okay. Um, so Sometimes get the mats out and just get the mats out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes call in some favors from people that aren't working at the moment, you know, because the budget's always tight. <laughs> we'll create a fight. We'll film it in the gym to figure out what the angles are going to be, so that we don't have to make that decision on the set. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't yeah. have the time. Um, and uh, we go ahead and we shoot it, and we shoot it sequentially. We don't. The wrong way to do it is to set up three or four cameras and shoot the whole fight, and then figure out the mess in the editing room. Yeah, yeah. That would be the wrong way to do it, in my opinion. The way to do it is the Hong Kong way, which, you know, when when I saw The Matrix, I figured that would stay that way. It changed. But, yeah, you, you, you pick a piece of choreography, whether it's six moves, 12 moves, whatever. You work with one camera angle. Maybe you've got a second camera just to take out a bit of mess, if, if needs be, if there's yeah, a mistake. Yeah. And um, you shoot it until you get it. And then you move on to the next sequence. And it takes a bit longer. Well, oh. it takes a lot longer, but you're able to get it more precise. Yeah, yeah, To be yeah. honest, there's less injuries. There's less accidents because you're only thinking about, okay, we're going to do this six-second sequence. Yeah. We'll go, yeah. F- you know, 100% full speed. I guess it takes the workload off the actors a little bit more. Yeah, but also the camera should be integral to the fight. Yeah. You know, it's not that we just want to document this fight from afar. Yeah, we yeah, We want yeah. the camera to be part of, of the action and... So much of it is about having a good camera operator as well because they need to be able to think as the stunt performers do. They need to know when there's going to be a kick there or a punch there and when the camera needs to come out here to capture it and move back to the leg and you know all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of times on films, you're working with someone new so you have this um, part where you're, you're, you're trying to educate them and they're trying to catch up to, to do it the way you're used to doing it and, and normally by the time you finish the film you know you should make <laughs> another film because you're ready for it then uh, but our camera operator Mark yeah. uh, did, did a fantastic job I have to say uh, and so tell me about fighting Darth Maul and Spawn how does that how does that work out easy <laughs> <laughs> no they're they're fantastic um, I've not worked with Ray before yeah. Um he's such a sweet guy, uh lovely guy. Plays a different sort of part in this one as well. He's he's not trying to be the tough action star. He's yeah. a little bit quirky and a little bit yeah. a little bit dim. Yeah, cracking tash as well. Cracking tash. Really good. Suits him well. <laughs> and uh Michael Jai White, I've worked with a few times before, we're great friends. Uh-huh. And he did me a, a favour with this film to be honest. Uh-huh. Came on and played that part. We needed someone to fill those shoes and and he did me a favour. He was like, four um, days in London, yep, I'm on, I'm there. Yeah, but the biggest favour he did me was, was letting me win. <laughs> because he is a fierce, fierce gentleman. And uh, I dare say that in a real situation, he may eat me for breakfast. 
Did you have to have that conversation with him? I think, Mike, you, you read the script, right? Yeah. Um, you realise I'll win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I realise. No, but honestly, <laughs> I, I have to win this fight. Can't improvise. I can't yeah. improvise a, a yeah. defeat in this one. Don't pull a, a fast one in. Even <laughs> while I'm not looking. So, Scott, take us back. You mentioned that you, you were 12 uh, watching blood sports. Is that where it all began for you? Did you watch movies like that when you're growing up? And think one day I'll be I'll be doing that. I mean, it's it's a, it's a fairly non-linear route, I guess, to to making movies ultimately. Well, my dad would always bring home action films, not horror films, but you know, action films, and it didn't matter how violent they were. <laughs> I guess I was about ten or eleven when he brought back Cobra, and Jesus, it's like really? you know, that's a bit rough, isn't it? That's amazing. That's a violent film. Um, but yeah, I grew up on those movies. I remember watching Rambo 2 when I was very young, but it, they, they, they're awesome. And I, I just gravitated towards those bigger than life action heroes, those actors that showed physical dexterity or power yeah, yeah, yeah. on screen. And, um, you know, I made, I made my mind up very early uh, around. I, I do remember watching Bloodsport with Van Damme and saying to my mom, Mom, I'm going to do what that guy does. <laughs> That's nice, dear. Yeah. Do you want some more chips? Exactly. No yeah. chips today, Mum. I'm off carbs. Yeah. <laughs> no, my my mum was a great supporter. Right. My dad kept telling me I needed to get a trade and become a butcher, just like him. <laughs> um, thankfully, I didn't listen. Did you even start down the path of of doing something else, or were you very single minded about this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it? Yeah. No, I, I see it as a gift because I guess most people I wouldn't know, but most people they don't know what they want to do, right? Right. Yeah. But for me, even though it was something really difficult to get into, yeah. From the age of twelve, it was like, no, that's it. I'm going to do that, and nobody's stopping me. And I, if I if I die trying, well, that's what's going to happen. Christ. I'm going to be a bum walking the streets, or I'm going to be a Hollywood movie star. Christ. So, so, so walk me through it. How did you start? What, 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 what was the first thing you did? Um, well, martial arts is a big thing of my journey, a big part of my journey. So uh, that was something I was already doing. And I definitely saw myself as a, as a Van Damme or a Bruce Lee or a Jackie Chan. Uh-huh. So got as good as I could at martial arts. Uh, went to college uh, around 17, 18, studied performing arts, uh, got got into drama school, the Weber Douglas Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, but I made a mistake by going there, to be honest, because I just couldn't afford to live in London and I, I couldn't afford the fees. I was meant to get a grant. I didn't. Blah, 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 boo-hoo. Long story. <laughs> World's smallest violin, etc., yeah. etc. Um, and just, you know, got an agent, started getting small jobs. Uh, got my first job, well, it was an Evo stick uh, commercial. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, it was, like, amazing. Did you have lines? I did have one line, but the most impressive part was it was actually two of me. Right. Data rail fixed. Kitchen fixed and sealed. There you go. Um, second job was uh, given to me by Tony Jordan, who wrote EastEnders and City Central. Right, okay. Because I used to teach kickboxing to his kids in Milton Keynes. Uh, okay, I was going to ask him if that was true. Yeah, he yeah. spotted the talent. Wow, there like, you go. I'm going to write you into City Central, mate. <laughs> and then the next job was a Hong Kong movie. Uh, they flew me out there. I never imagined I'd go to Hong Kong, but they flew me out, and it was, you know, one of the many Guaylo baddies that needed to get beaten up. Uh, and at the same time, about three months after that, I got a job on Doctors. Amazing. Of course, being from Birmingham. Yep. 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 Um, straight acting, no kicks required. 
and, not you tempted know, to throw one in just now, now and again, just to liven things up. No, no. <laughs> on the set of Doctor. Strictly acting on that one. <laughs> Scalpel only. Birmingham acting. Okay. No, but yeah, that was it, and it was a steady climb, and I, I learnt on the job, um, and I've continued to get better at my craft, and uh, yeah. you know, I've made my way into the lower budget independent sort of films, B movies, if you want, mm-hmm. um, but I've always given it. 100% and um, you know I've got a got a nice fan base behind me absolutely and um, I just can't wait for people to see Accident Man and it's a little bit different to what you're used to seeing from me it's very British which was important to me yeah 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 because you're, you're a man of many accents as well Scott I mean you, you have to be you've traversed the globe yeah especially when you've got a stupid Birmingham accent <laughs> like this you know what I mean no one's going to take you seriously mate I don't know I think you could give you it a go you mix it up you could give it a go you, I could see you and Lenny Henry as a, as a sort of brummy action duo. That'd be, that'd be yeah. pretty amazing. That'd be the next one. True Identity Two. Martini. <laughs> a brummy Bond. My God. There you go. That'd be amazing. Another shake up. I'm there. I am so there. Daniel Craig's about to hang up the Walter PVK anyway. Or is he? He is. He's got. He's got one more in him. Then he's. Then he's done. He's. You know. Time. Time is against him. Just go on, Craig. Off you go. Uh, I think the time is right for a brummy Bond. And there you, you go, know, Barbara. And unlike unlike other Bonds, you can do your own stunts. I'm not saying that other Bonds don't do their own stunts, but... I don't think they're allowed, Chris. There might be that, but, you know, <laughs> Dalton Dalton would have... Dalton wanted to get in amongst it. There's no yeah, doubt about well, that. I'll get in amongst but it. But he couldn't do what you can do. I mean, you can you could roundhouse kick the air from my face. Yeah, but I don't think people want that from Bond, do they, really? <laughs> or do they? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wish we were doing a phone-in now. People could call in and say, do you want to see a Brummy Bond? Do you want to see Scott Atkins as Bond? Um, you've worked over the years, though, with some amazing people. You've worked with You've worked with Van Damme on a number of occasions. Mm. Did you tell him that story about watching Bloodsport when you were 12? I shouldn't have done this, but I felt <laughs> compelled. When I did my first film with Van Damme, The Shepherd... Yeah, I felt compelled to bring along my scrapbook. You're kidding. My s- specifically a Van Damme scrapbook <laughs> with all the little articles and stuff that I'd got over the years, and I painstakingly pritt-sticked it in <laughs> onto the pieces of A4 and no put it in, into the clear. No, no evil stick. That I didn't need that. Just a bit of pritt-stick. <laughs> and I needed him to understand what that he'd created me. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like the Batman to his Joker. <laughs> he made me who I am. Do not fear me, Van Damme. <laughs> you created this, so I gave, I, I showed him this uh, scrapbook, and uh, I don't think he took it very well. You're kidding me. <laughs> I think it freaks him out a little bit. I can see how that might have done. Yeah, you. Uh, well, clearly now. Yeah, I wasn't thinking straight. But at the same time, you never know. Much. This might have been your only shot. This might have been your only chance to meet Van Damme. And why not take the time to go, well, yeah. this is what you mean to me. Well, yeah. Come back. <laughs> please, I please. needed him to understand. <laughs> I mean you no harm. Yeah. Where are you going? Cut, cut to four films later and I'm his right-hand man in <laughs> The Expendables. And he's still freaked out about the scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> but he still wants to have you around. Uh, yeah. And you've worked with uh, Dolph Lundgren a few times as well. Uh, we've had the pleasure of Dolph's company on the podcast. Never, never Van Damme, though. Mm. He's never done the podcast. Well, let's get do him think, in. Do you think you can get him I'll, in? I'll, can't you? I'll put in a word. Yeah, put in a word. Yeah, yeah. we share the same agent. Well, there you go. Yeah, next there time he's in the UK. Just you know, just pop him a cheeky text. Yeah, for the uh, for the Amazon uh, thing he's got. There you go. Absolutely, yeah, Sean Claude yeah. Van Johnson. Yeah. You, we can. You say, look, you can come to a really tight, cramped booth yeah. in, in the middle of London. 
It'll yeah. be nice and easy. Give you a hundred bucks if you can do the splits in it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably could. He probably yeah. could. I'm not going to say anything, ask anything as gauche as uh, who's your favourite Dolph or uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, but who's your favourite? <laughs> well, well, there's the, the there's me now and there's 16-year-old me, isn't there? Okay, yep. 16-year-old you, let's take let's take the, the 16-year-old first. Is it, is Man, it Van Damme? you really stepped me up. <laughs> is it Van Damme? I've really took the bait. Well, yeah. <laughs> Bloodsport. 12 years old. That's the one. Uh, going through 16 years old, looking at Hard Target, things like that. <laughs> my favourite director, John Woo, with my favourite action star, Van Damme. Yeah, 16-year-old Scott. Uh, Van Damme, definitely uh, top of the list. Amazing. But uh, Dolph, Dolph is, is a, a lovely guy. I had the pleasure of working with him a few times. So let's say they're equal now. Let's say, let's go for a draw. Let's go for yeah. a draw on that one. Of course, you, you've starred in Hard Target too. Because one of the things that um, I remember reading an interview with you where you say that you're like the king of sequels to other films that don't have the original star in them, I guess. King of the low-budget <laughs> sequel. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Hard Target 2, you've done Jarhead 3. Yeah. Universal Soldier, of course, but that has both uh, Jean-Claude and Dolph in it already. So I would argue that Universal Soldier 4 is uh-huh. is, is the best of them, all of them. I'd say you're on I definitely would. Right? Yep, it's a very good film. Um, but, you know, it's you can only take what you're offered and um, you've got to pay the bills. Uh-huh. I love to work. I spent many years unemployed. So it's kind of hard <laughs> to turn down stuff and be, and be picky when... Yeah. I, just, I just love to get in and, and, and do my bit. You know, I'll always yeah. give 100%, but I can't necessarily pick and choose what, what I'm going to do. I didn't want to do Hard Target 2. Oh, really? No, because I'd, I'd been in two Van Damme films. I'd been in, with him in The Expendables. Now they're offering me Hard Target 2. It's like, Jesus, you know, I've, I'm really taking the piss with him now. He's going to hate me. <laughs> um, but they really wanted me. They really wanted me. And when I read the script, I, I understood why they did. Uh, it kind of made sense. So, you know, we yeah. did it. We did our best. Um, but I don't I don't want it to seem like I'm riding on the um, of course not, yeah. of, his, of, course. of his success. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why you're doing things like Accident Man and yeah, exactly. you can push yourself away from that sort of that sort of movie as well. Or the yeah. perception as well that you're doing those sorts of films. Yeah. And, and the things like, you know, being in, in Grimsby. I mean, I know that film got a little bit of a negative reaction when it yeah. came out but but doing bigger budget stuff like Grimsby or Doctor Strange of course must also must also help well yeah again they, they say well you know I was almost in uh, um, Civil War there was uh, a part the uh, super soldiers they were meant to be a, a bigger part of the of the movie at one point oh, right, possibly okay. and I met with the Russos about that uh, but they decided to uh, lessen those parts and make it more about Captain America and uh, Winter Soldier and Iron Man, right? Okay, that yeah. That fight yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that didn't happen. I, I was devastated at the time. But obviously they remembered me and, and Doctor Strange came up. But it's kind of like, now I've used my Marvel card. And uh, <laughs> that's it. I'm done with that. They promised me some dialogue in that movie. I remember filming some parts where I was speaking, goddammit. Right. Which, uh, strangely, were not in the finished product. Those bastards. What, what, what I'm accent? sure they cut some of Benedict's lines out as well. Though. They must have done. They must have done. He's very, He seems. He's unusually quiet in that film. He doesn't yeah. say a lot. Uh, but now it's uh, it's uh, the DCU all the way. I think. Oh Fuck come Marvel. on, man! Come on, <laughs> come on, man! Here's the thing: you can be in a Marvel movie, and two or three years later, they can cast you again in, a, in another role. Yeah. And no one will bat an eyelid. Laura Haddock's been in the Marvel universe twice. She's Just in, give it some time. Guardians, it'll be fine. You'll yeah. be all right. You'll be good. And we don't necessarily—you're not necessarily dead. 
You're pretty dead. Well, I, yeah, I'm a zealot. I could <laughs> use some dark magic to come back. You've got some magic, it'd be, yeah. it'd be fun. You fight Benedict Cumberbatch in that great uh, topsy-turvy action sequence in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Mm. That's a really fun sequence. Is that Was that a fun one to shoot? Because it strikes me, and I may be completely wrong in this, but they did a lot of stuff with the, the, the set moving around physically to try and get the change of perspectives going. Or is it all CG? Um, it's pretty much all... The, the, with the building moving, most of it was CG. Yeah. I, okay. But they did build a set like they did for Inception, which span around and turned around and all that. Mm. But I don't know how much they use that. Um, but I do remember that was the first part of the movie I filmed. And Benedict's such a lovely guy. But there's a bit where we run up the wall and uh, the first thing I do is jump onto a banister. I have to jump off the banister and kick Benedict in the chest. And uh, we're on about the 10th take. <laughs> and I, I've either missed or not hit him hard enough. Because I have to jump on this banister, so I'm concentrating on that, and now I've got to jump off and perfectly right. kick Benedict. So it looks hard, but yeah. without hurting the main actor. But that's right? tough. Lots of pressure. That's tough. On the 10th take, yeah, yeah. I could see the, the faces are dropping a bit. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. I'm just going to have to go for it. So, and Benedict probably thought, I'm going to help him out a little bit here by coming a little bit closer for his kick. Oh, Christ. And I smashed him hard <laughs> in the chest. And he went back and he smashed off the banister with his back. Oh, no. And I do remember thinking, easy, Scott. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a little bit too hard there, mate. But he was great. He was fine about it. Luckily, they had a doctor on set, so it was, it was exactly. all good. Yeah, but that's the tough thing about playing Doctor Strange is you don't get to hide behind the mask. Yeah. So you don't have as much stunt doubles as some of uh, the other characters might get. Yeah. But uh, was it a, a fun experience to be a, a, a part of that film, even though they yes. cut the dialogue, ultimately? No, it, it's amazing. I'm only joking. I'm a huge Marvel fan, always have been. And, uh, you know, hang about with those amazing actors for a bit and then go and see yourself on the big screen. As a ghost, it's, uh, it was a great thrill. I took my six-year-old daughter. She didn't appreciate it that much. <laughs> she was scared. Did she not like Daddy getting his ass kicked? Was that... It freaked her out, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if it was getting my ass kicked or the fact that I was going through walls, but something upset her. <laughs> or maybe both, a combination of the two. <laughs> On that note, uh, Scott Atkins, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, coming in. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, man. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, time now for the reviews section of the show. And really, there's only one great big building destroying show in town this week and it is of course Rampage uh, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson this is based on well I mean based on it's inspired by the 80s video game which I used to play as a child in which you play one of a giant gorilla a giant crocodile kind of a lizard to be honest uh, or a giant wolf and you smash skyscrapers (laughs) they are called George Lizzie and Ralph in the game, yes. something which kind of makes its way into this film. In, it, yeah. Yeah. So this, this, and I don't know why they decided to base this on the game. They could have just called it We Fought a Zoo and it could have been something else. But so this is uh, Dwayne Johnson as uh, Davis Okoye, a former Special Forces Green Beret type chap who now looks after apes in a sort of wildlife preserve. Uh, one of whom is George, the kindly albino gorilla. Um, who, after being infected with some kind of bioweapon which falls from a satellite which comes off the end of the Cloverfield Paradox, which seems to play at the beginning of this movie, um, it turns him into a giant killer ape. Uh, two other animals have been affected by this as well, one being a giant wolf and one being a giant crocodile. Mm-hmm. And really, there's not a lot more you need to know about this film other than the three giant things smash a lot of shit up. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan turns up 
in full Negan, uh, but in a sort of fluffy mode. So he has the Negan swagger. He has the Negan drawl. Not um, the baseball bat, though. He doesn't have he that. He doesn't have the baseball bat. He does have a, uh, a nickel-plated pistol, though, which is much the same thing. Uh, but, yeah, so this is basically Dwayne Johnson uh, and Naomi Harris and a giant gorilla mm-hmm. uh, smashing the base. Do you know what? I expected this to be a very bad film and I was very pleasantly surprised. It's not a masterpiece by any stretch. Uh, Imagine if it were a masterpiece. (laughs) This is a five, it's a stone cold classic. Uh, No, but it's it's loads of fun. I think the the only, the biggest criticism I have with it is tonally, it is all over the map. So you go from sort of slightly light family friendly fun to quite if not extreme violence, very po-faced, very serious action violence. And then you cut away yeah. to the two kind of villains of this piece, played by... I- Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr., <laughs> as far as I can played tell. Ja- played by Jared and Ivanka, yes, that's right. Um, it's, who, uh, who are they? Who are uh, they? Malin Aikerman from Watchmen, and yeah. also, Jake, I can't remember his Jake name. Jake Lacey. Jake Lacey, right, who's okay, Hannah's yeah. shit boyfriend in, uh, in Girls in the yes. last seasons. So Malin Ackerman and Jake Lacey, and they play the, the, the villains of this piece, and they inhabit, I think it's safe to say, an entirely different movie to everyone else in this. The tone is so bizarre when it switches to those two. It becomes, it becomes a farce. It's absolute lunacy. Yeah. This movie surprised me on a number of levels. Because uh, right from the off, uh, we talk about it in the interview with uh, Brad Payton, it feels like a horror film, and it's much more serious and much more intense. Yeah. And, well, it starts with that whole life sequence. Yes. Yeah. It's really, it, which really threw me because mm. I thought this would be a big over-the-top thing with The Rock taking down these big beasties with his one-liners and it doesn't really do that. It's, it's much more intense, much more visceral uh, and George, the albino gorilla, straight up murders a whole bunch of folks mm-hmm. which yeah. is really interesting in terms of the film trying to keep you on his side and admittedly he's not always in control of his actions but nevertheless it's, it's a hard thing for a character to come, by, uh, come back from. And The Rock himself he can really elevate stuff like this and mm. he works really hard really intensely and he's really good and his scenes with Jeffrey D. Morgan are a lot of fun uh, I wish I had been more Jeffrey D. Morgan in this film actually but even by the end it suffers from Batman and Dawn of Justice Syndrome which is that even a character like The Rock is an insignificant speck next to creatures that are destroying buildings and throwing yeah. stuff around and it really struggles to have him affect the action in any meaningful way but it's still fun. It's a good old popcorn muncher. Ben, do you, do you agree? Uh, yeah, to be fair, I enjoyed like the first hour or so of this more than the ending. So uh, because The Rock is so charismatic, he even has charisma with the CGI gorilla and that first half of it is slightly more family friendly. And then in the last half hour, it get, got really, really smashy. I still feel quite uncomfortable about like city smashing scenes where like they haven't got everyone out of the city yet. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, there are moments where I just felt like it hadn't yeah. earned that level of destruction. It's because a lot rest, of collateral damage. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I, I just wasn't as engaged in some of the action stuff towards the end. Uh, whereas I was more engaged in the first half purely because of The Rock. He, he brings it up like a whole extra star for me. So yeah. six stars in. Six stars six, in. Six whole stars. For Rampage. Uh, it, yeah. One of those films where I would say, actually, even though you think you don't want to see it, go and see it. Yeah. Three stars. Go and see it. Three stars. I mean, it's another one of the Rock's pantheon of three-star films. It but is. It's the most three-star. Yeah. I still yes. regret giving the Jumanji three stars. It deserves a four. Well, uh, yes. It's such I'm, a good film. I'm going to go on record but. saying you're absolutely right. I watched it on Friday night, and that's a nailed-on four-star film. Yeah. Jumanji is brilliant. Absolutely. So three stars in for Rampage, uh, which is a lot of fun. So, Ben, very, very quickly, uh, Truth or Dare, the latest film from Blumhouse, 
and their big old horror household. Yeah, so this stars Lucy Hale as Olivia, who is a uh, a teenager living in California with all her mates. Uh, it's spring break, woo! And they hop in a car and drive down to Mexico, uh, where they meet a stranger at a bar who takes them to this uh, old abandoned Mexican church, uh, where... As you do, you end up playing a drunken game of truth or dare, except this game is possessed by some evil demon kind of thing. <laughs> and when they all get back to California, Stop we've talking. all been there. I'm sold. I'm on yeah, board. We're in there. So they go back to California and then every so often uh, they'll just be walking around doing their own thing and someone will turn around and go, Boo, truth or dare. And they have to, uh, <laughs> they with get, this like really weird. Yeah, they get a creepy weird grin. You know the, um, you know the uh, 30 Rock <laughs> meme, the um, how do you do fellow kids? This is like the most yes. How Do You Do Fellow Kids movie. And at one point, one of the teens says, it looks like some messed up Snapchat filter. And yes, they, uh, at one point, my favorite bit was when some they're trying to work out what's going on, what the rules of the game are. And someone literally Googles Mexico truth or dare. And it's it's that level of stupidity. Um, Naomi but, Harris does something really similar in Rampage. Which she, <laughs> just, yeah. she goes to Wikipedia page yeah. for some sort of nonsensical <laughs> science thing. And it's just all there. All the expedition amazing. Anyway. Um, so this is from Blumhouse, but this is yeah. no way near as scary as some of the other Blumhouse stuff. Obviously, there's varying levels of quality from that studio. You've got things from Get Out. Uh, this is not on the level of even kind of insidious or sinister. This is, in the States, a PG-13 horror movie, and it shows all the way through. It, it does seem to be aiming properly for that kind of younger teen audience. This is show it at a sleepover, first ever horror movie. Then you all play Truth or Dare afterwards. Um, every time you try to approach some kind of more serious issues with the teens, like coming out or uh, teen suicide, it hasn't earned that and it's a bit annoying, but it's kind of still quite enjoyable. Um, it's it's and, not scary at all. And we gave it what? Uh, so we gave this one two star. Two stars. And that's our movie review section done and dusted. And that is it for this week's Empire Podcast, uh, brought to you by Sky Cinema, the dedicated home for movie lovers. Join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by David Morrissey, star of the TV miniseries The City and The City, making his second appearance on the podcast. Unless, of course, it is Harry Kane gets him first. Until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Helen. Hello. (laughs) Toodaloo. It's goodbye from James. Goodbye. Mean. What? Mean. I thought I'm solidarity. Oh. Yeah, solidarity. <laughs> it's goodbye from Ben. Boo, truth or dare. <laughs> you sound like David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to go home and think about my plans for the evening of April 24th. Chris, my little sister, says, tell Chris I'll take his ticket. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want him to miss the game. The game only happens once, Chris. <laughs> the game only happens once. I can see that other movie <laughs> another time. I'm hey. massively looking forward to the morning after that where you get to go, oh my God, Chris, and Captain America's head falls off and it's amazing. How <laughs> dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. But you know what? I'm still kind of wired. Hey, Empire Podcast listeners, what do you say I take you home and eat your... 